uh, I want to start out with reviews, but uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about something a little special. It's not necessarily a review because I was part of the movie, uh, but I did get a chance to see the final interview. I had a small role in that, uh, directed by Fred Vogel. I believe it is his seventh film or his eighth film. Uh, we have the August Underground Trilogy, we have Red Sin Tower, we have Celeturska, we have Maskhead, we have Murder Collection. I believe it's his eighth film, actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I, I got a chance to check that one out. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't really talked about it much, but I, I play a reporter. A very tiny role, but it was an honor to be in it. And I thought it was really cool uh, that I got to work uh, for Fred Vogel in a movie. Uh, not a toe tag movie, but still a Fred Vogel movie. Uh, I don't want to review the movie because it's, it's kind of strange, you know, reviewing a movie that you were involved with. I made that mistake before and it came off kind of tacky. So uh, the final interview, I just want to uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, it follows, uh, It takes place in the 80s. Uh, and it follows this uh, kind of crazy reporter played by Granger Haynes. He's a, uh, he has an alcohol problem. Uh, he's a, just a, a very despicable, awful person. Uh, he's a pretty big actor. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Lincoln, uh, he has, uh, pops up in a bunch of big movies. He's a great actor. I was really impressed with his performance. Uh, and it also stars regular uh, Damien. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so I won't say it. From Celeturcica. He plays a serial killer. And it's uh, his final interview. Uh, he's on death row. And they're doing this uh, this one last interview uh, live. It kind of reminds you a little bit of Natural Born Killers. But it's definitely more realistic and less all over the place than Natural Born Killers. And what's cool about the movie is a lot of it is dialogue. But uh, it builds this tense uh, storyline throughout their interactions. And you get to learn more and more about them. Uh, it's really well made. It's it's Fred's best movie, I think. Uh, the acting is all top notch. Uh, it, it reminds me of a really great episode of Tales from the Crypt that doesn't wear out its welcome because it runs for ninety minutes. And uh, I'm interested in the the true crime stuff, and uh, it feels like a legit killer. So uh, uh, the information will be below a Facebook page if you want to check it out. I know there's going to be a bunch of screenings uh, coming up, so if it comes to your town, make sure to check it out. Uh, it's not your typical Fred Vogel movie, but it is a really cool uh, movie, uh, and it, I'm just like it's one of those things that I'm just really uh, proud to be a part of. Don't switch the channel. In mere moments, I invite you on a guided tour of the mind of a murderer. I am Oliver Ross, and this is The Ross Perspective. Come with me live as I confront the infamous murderer, Darius Tidman, mere hours before his execution, right here, right now. I pushed for you for this job because I still believe in you. Just be careful with him. What do you mean? No telling what he might try. to meet you face to face. I'm, I'm pleased that you could make it. No, I didn't have anything else going on. I just got this thing later tonight. Let's go to Tidman and Camel B. Let's get into the reviews. Uh, the first one I will be reviewing is from Synapse Films. This is Dario Argento's Phenomenon. We all know this movie. Uh, we all know Dario Argento. Uh, let me get into this one uh, as quick as I can. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, one of her first roles, actually maybe her first, it's her first starring role with later going to do The Labyrinth right after this one. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a mouthful. This is a bizarre uh, story. Uh, she uh, gets sent to this school uh, in Switzerland while her famous actor father is working in the Philippines. Uh, she has this weird connection with insects. She can control them kind of like a telekine telekinetic power. Well, telepathy she has with them. No, 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 I'm getting tongue-tied. She has telepathy with insects, okay, guys? And uh, what happens is uh, she's kind of an outcast at the school, and meanwhile there's this serial murderer going around uh, slashing people in this hilly, windy, creepy place. Uh, she runs into this uh, 
bug expert played by Donald Pleasance who uh, is disabled. He has a helping chimp, which is, I don't think people typically have helping chimps, but that's the way it is. Uh, and uh, the insanity ensues. Uh, she begins to kind of discover that she can use the insects to find the bodies because she has communication with the uh, great, uh, uh, what is that, the special fly. And she goes in there and she starts looking for the bodies. So the setup is insane. The score is goblin, but it also has some heavy metal stuff in here. And typically I'm not a fan of that, but the heavy metal picked is melodic and it actually works a lot for the movie. Uh, it, it looks great. There's some crazy camera angles right off the bat. The movie opens up uh, with uh, just the camera going into all these trees and the wind and just an amazing, nice tracking shot of the wind. It sets up the wind as a presence. And every time the killer's stalking, you hear the wind. Every time uh, Jennifer Connelly is using her powers, you hear the wind. Uh, it just sets up the whole atmosphere of this movie. Uh, and the ending is so grotesque and so insane that it's got to be one of uh, Dario Argento's most grueling experiences. Uh, almost too graphic for him. It has a lot of similarities that it does like his other movies where it has the American out of place in a different country like Inferno or Bird with the Crystal Plumage. It also has that idea that the attacker uh, the attacker in the movie was someone who was previously attacked by someone else. Kind of uh, the violence breeds violence uh, deal that's similar in Bird with the Crystal Plumage and the Stenhall Syndrome. So it has a lot of Dario Argento-isms uh, I guess I'll say, but uh, it also has these new elements of just complete batshit crazy. I mean, it is supernatural like Inferno or Suspiria, but uh, it's just really crazy. There's a there's a mutated child in here. There's tons of twists. It feels like Alfred Hitchcock on acid. I don't really know with a lot of gore and uh, just insanity ensues. Uh, Donald Pleasance is all right in it. Jennifer Connelly's amazing. The score is great. Uh, I love the camera work. It's one of his most bizarre uh, but really great movies. Uh, on this edition, there's three uh, cuts of the movie. The uh, close to two hour cut, the, the hour and ten, a 50 minute cut. I'm mostly familiar with the one hour and 56 minute cut, but also included on here is the 88 or 87 minute cut of Creepers, which is US cut. And after watching a Phenomenon a bunch of times, that, that cut goes by at a brisk pace and I think it's really great for people that are familiar with the movie so they fill in any of the gaps that might confuse them. But uh, it, legitimately it's great to see that one. The picture quality is fairly solid. Uh, I mean, a lot of these Italian uh, prints, they get what they get, and Synapse can clean them up as much as they can. It's not up to par with some of their other stuff, I don't think, but uh, to say it's bad is ludicrous. Uh, the sound's great on here. Also included, besides the three cuts, is a commentary, which was very informative, as always. And uh, they also include Dario Argento's World of War, which I had never actually seen. Uh, this talks about all his movies and shows clips and interviews with him and all uh, the filmmakers that he works with uh, leading up until Phenomenon and some of Phenomenon. So you get to see the behind the scenes on some of these elaborate camera tricks uh, similar you get to see the cool tenebra shot tenebra shot sorry I always mispronounce that word uh, but uh, when it goes up the building and tracks around and you get to see the wind shot there's lots of dolly shots and stuff behind the scenes which is really cool and you get to see you get to meet Dario Argento a little bit it goes into Dar Dale, Dawn of the Dead which he produced and Demons which he helped produce so it's a really nice uh, feature on there as well uh, yeah it's a nice release it comes two disc uh, with two disc like I said with three different cuts of the movie and a whole feature length documentary I'd really recommend picking this one up if you missed the steel book or uh you know you know synapse does great work never disappoints and uh it's a great movie especially if you love dario gentu and if you haven't seen this one it's a must let's see now about that time first girl to disappear that was september 9th 14 year old danish tourist named vera brandt the body was never found just like the other girls after finding this, what's the use of hiding from the fights? There's a killer. A vicious killer. I'm sure you're going to like our school. To begin with, we all speak English. By the way, I'm Sophie. I'm French. Jennifer. You know I'm really glad you're here. I've always had to sleep alone. It can be very scary. You know, there's a murderer around here. It's girls our age and kills them. And then he hides the bodies.
you did last night is highly irregular. No student ever left the school at night before. How many times do I have to tell you that I didn't walk out on purpose? I walk in my sleep. Have you any idea where you've been? No. What if the killer saw me? Have you any idea why they behave like that? It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love all of you. The next one here is Spider. Uh, this is actually a Latavia movie, uh, and I had never seen this. It's from Mondo Macabro, so I was interested. They release a lot of cool stuff, and uh, usually uh, bizarre, uh, all-over-the-world cinema, and that's exactly what this one is. I don't really know how to explain this movie, to be brutally honest with you. Uh, it involves this uh, kind of crazy artist, uh, and he is hired... Uh, by this priest at a church to make like uh, this uh, this nice church painting, and the the artist gets his eyes uh, has his eyes on this young girl. He wants her to be his muse, and uh, after that starts uh, this this weird relationship and these weird nightmares and surreal gross bleeding into fantasy world into reality begin to happen to her uh and it's this artist has a hold over he's kind of possessive of her until the artwork is finished uh but uh this is probably most famous for the very graphic and disturbing uh giant tarantula raping scene which uh recalls galaxy of terror to be honest but much worse uh there's these scenes where she's uh the 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 artist kind of comes across as this weird kind of Spider-Man. I guess he has these elements where he's transforming into a spider at times. Even amazing scenes with stop motion and a real spider crawling. It falls on the bed and it comes over the top of the bed and it's getting bigger. And it turns into this giant spider and then it turns into this weird tentacle rape porn scene. Uh, this one's made in like 91 and I, I, I it, it shocks me that it used to play on television. Such a bizarre, weird film. Everything has a dreamlike looking quality. Eventually she's sent to her uh, other her, her aunt's. Uh, to get away from everything and kind of focus on getting your life back together, a la Poltergeist 3. Send her away, that's what we'll do. Uh, but, uh, of course, the whores follow her there. But uh, it seems like everybody wants to have sex with her, and it, I don't know if it's reality or fiction. or It's a, it's a coming-of-age story, but it's also a weird story about art and surrealism and uh, weird animal rape i don't really know what to say about the movie it's just such a bizarre experience there is an interview with the director which helps uh and it it, it kind of talks about how interesting it was to make movies in that country and how different it is from the united states and other countries around the world so that's interesting but uh, all in all the, the story's hard to grab you but the images and all the stuff in it is 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 wonderful and amazing and i've never seen anything quite like it amazing special effects for the time too and there's these weird uh flashback where they go into a painting reminds me of Dario argento stuff and it's just just a crazy, erotic, and just the weirdest damn thing I've seen in a long time. That's Spider. one here is from MVD and uh, this is the Dead Next Door. This is that deluxe edition. Don't fret guys because I have the old edition too. Uh, if This is, uh, I'm lucky enough to buy the old uh, original pressing Blu-ray from Dari, uh, from J.R. Buckwalter. Yeah, from Dario Gentleman. Getting all confused. But yeah, this one uh, is a, a wider release. So uh, if you already have that one, you probably don't need this one. But if you missed out on that one, you're gonna want this one. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the Dead Next Door, it's uh, probably at the time was the, at the time it was most certainly the biggest Super 8 horror movie ever made, biggest budget. Uh, Sam Raimi secretly produced this movie for uh, J.R. Walter. He was 19 years old when he started this one in '85, and it didn't, I believe, get released until '88, '89. But uh, it is this giant. Uh, 
epic uh, low-budget zombie feature with so much ambition and so much creativity in it. Uh, I, I will say this movie to me is like a warm blanket. I have a, a very uh, deep fondness for it. it. It stems back from being very young and seeing it and kind of you igniting that flame, low-budget flame to check out other stuff. Uh, I, I love Tempe film and I love The Dead Next Door, so that has a soft spot for me. Uh, this new edition actually has uh, four ways to watch the movie, four different ways to watch the movie. You can watch it in the original full-frame version uh, with the classic dub mix you can watch it in the widescreen edition and you can watch it in the uh the new mix with all the original actors in there which is really cool so there's four different ways you can watch the movie uh, there's three commentaries on here. Everything's ported over from all the old editions, and on this one even includes the commentary that was lost on the uh, the other edition. So, but don't fret again. Uh, I, I believe if you if you have the old edition, you can get uh, uh, HDX code to that commentary as well. But uh, yeah, it's just a loaded loaded edition. It's it's remastered in 2K. It's the best it's ever going to look. There are some frame. There are some stuff missing that was has been used in the DVD. I think it looks great in widescreen, surprisingly, and I I, I appreciate them putting the classic. You know, not that the classic and the other uh, the new master on there with the original voices because I had never seen that and it does it does kind of screw up performances and like uh, JR says in the commentaries there is a little bit of overtopness to the dubbing of like Bruce Campbell and stuff and they they did the classic dub mix they're a little bit over the top uh, I've grown to love it that way but I also really appreciate seeing a different way but uh, the plot of this one is a uh, zombie apocalypse happens and uh, the zombie squads out there to go around and rescue as many humans as they can these zombies are a little bit different they can be fast and they're pretty indestructible. They could take whatever the hell you give them and keep coming. Uh, but uh, they run into this cult that, uh, you know, worships the dead. And uh, there's a standoff between the zombie squad and this cult. It's really cool stuff. There's a lot of great ideas in here that were never explored at the time, like the zombie cult, like protesters trying to protect zombie rights. It's just, it's, it's really cool. And you know what? It, it's, uh, it feels really uh, at home today if I will say anything. But uh, remember, it is Super 8, so a lot of people probably aren't used to that that grimy kind of look. I love how it looks myself. Uh, always a fondness of it. It's never looked better. Uh, it's never sounded better. The sound was really damn good. And it's loaded to the brim so many so much features it took me days to watch. And that's uh, This one phenomenon, I only got to watch four movies because there's so many different versions and so many different commentaries that I tackled all that. And it was really cool to listen to JR and uh, his cast and crew talk about the movie again. Uh, and, like... On DVD and Blu-ray on here. Can't say enough positive things about The Dead Next Door. It's a splatter film. Uh, but the only thing is the writing does feel like it came from a 19-year-old at times. But uh, if you can't get behind this, if you love low-budget films and you can't get behind The Dead Next Door, then I, I just don't know what to tell you. I think it's just one of the big, uh, you know, quintessential low-budget horror films ever made, to be honest. Especially at that time. But uh, check it out. Check out the trailer. I think you guys will enjoy it. And the big news in Akron tonight is the unexplained appearance of flesh-eating humans. Channel 5 has now learned that this grotesque happening is a reality, and one that is quickly spreading as more and more of these human cannibals appear throughout this area. Zombies. Hundreds of them. Look at it! Why won't they die? Next one, I don't have a copy to review. I watched it on YouTube. It is available on YouTube, and you can watch it for free if you're interested. It is Lust. And this is funny because this is a remake of my friend's movie, Keith Voigt Jr., who directed Army and Lust. And uh, this is a remake of his movie. It's Permission. He uh, is an executive producer on this one. Uh, I'm not familiar with the director. It's the first time I saw his movie. It's 30 minutes long. If you guys are familiar with uh, Cage's, or I call him Cage, but Keith's uh, uh, Lust, it's about an obsession, about a relationship, you know, uh, somebody obsessing over somebody and not being able to uh, give them up when they don't really want any interest in them. They, they In this one, it, in the original, it's a woman and a man, uh, a woman obsessing over a man, and it leads to... Uh I don't want to give anything away, but it leads to some really horrible stuff. This one, they decided to go uh, uh, the gay route, uh, 
and it's a homosexual uh, fantasizing over a heterosexual male. He delivers a pizza to his house and he gets obsessed with them. And, and, and that, that comes across scary because I guess it could happen to anybody, anybody obsessing over it. Uh, it's a slick looking movie. And I like the twist that they didn't just do the exact same thing over. Uh, I thought that they added some extra characters in it, and I thought that helped a bit. There's not much for me to say about it, except it's a slick movie that kind of dives into the obsession and the lustful feelings. I like how it ended. I like how it left it a little open, uh, as it should. But uh, you pretty much know what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, I think that people are interested in that kind of stuff. Check out the trailer. And the link will be below to check it out. Uh, it, I think it's just really kind of cool to see that there's two versions of the same movie floating out. Uh, a straight version and a gay version. But uh, yeah, that is Lust. Uh, I'm sorry I can't remember the director's name in here. You know, it is a low-budget movie, but it looks slick. Some of the acting, you know, is great. It's not great, but it's good. And some of it, you know, ranges, I think. But uh, that's all I have to say about uh, the short film, Lust. Uh, the remake of Keith Boyd Jr.'s movie. If I can't have you, no one can. But uh, let's get into, I believe we will do the Q&A. Uh, so if I'm looking down, that's what I'm doing, okay? Okay, here's what we have. Uh, Tempo Topos, or Topos. Here's a question next up, if you have. As uh, someone who is a fan of mainstream Indian low-budget movies, which aspects of filmmaking do you think are most difficult to do well on a lower budget? Acting, writing, camera work, set, and special effects, sound design, editing. You know, if you watch any independent movie, uh, always bad sound, always bad lighting. A lot of them. Not everyone. I shouldn't say that. But a lot of independent movies, especially uh, stuff that's local that they never really uh, branched out and saw a lot of other independent movies, you'll notice really bad sound. I know I'm guilty of it in Slimy the Bastards. It sounds not great. Uh, and uh, bad lighting. Really... Uh, uh, they don't really typically use lights. They'll get a 4K camera and they'll just shoot. Or they'll just, you know, that's some of the stuff. Uh, sometimes acting, I think, is the easiest thing for people to find. I think there are good actors and actresses on an indie level. I think there's some great ones. But unfortunately, a lot of times they'll just use who's around or who they know, which I can understand that as well because you like to be comfortable when you're making an independent movie, especially if you're not making it for money, you're making it for passion. So uh, the writing's always uh, difficult too because... Uh, Nobody has anybody else look over it, it feels like, or nobody, uh, I don't know, there's probably a lot of egos on every every movie set, probably, but uh, a lot of the writing to me, I can get over a, just bad acting or bad gore or bad lighting, but if there's just something that's completely out of this, doesn't make any sense in the writing, I'll, I'll be bothered by it, uh, but, you know, uh, one great thing can overcome a lot of bad things, so if there's a great performance or if there's great special effects or there's a great concept, they can overcome it because, you know, independent movies can do whatever they want. Uh, Sean Morin, are there any films that you have been saving to watch this October? You know, what's funny is I'm not that, I'm not really, I don't do many traditions. I'm not that kind of a traditional person. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to even celebrate Christmas sometimes or Halloween. I, I pretty, I love Halloween. I celebrate, you know, I pass out candy, Thanksgiving, the big ones, but you know, I don't have these traditions. It's traditions. Every Sunday we do, I just don't like, I might watch a movie on Halloween bite pop it in but I, I just watch what I want I'm on my own like schedule for that I don't like to pre-plan what I watch usually I just go in it head first you know whatever I'm in the mood for uh Jeremiah Ball I like 80 slapstick horror movies like Evil Dead 2 Night of the Demons Return of the Dead is there any horror movies that you can recommend that are good cheesy fun like the ones I mentioned I prefer 80s and 90s uh you know what's one that's kind of cheesy and fun uh not necessarily on that level uh, that nobody talks about is On Mass Part 25. It's a really cool movie. It's a slasher spoof that was made in the late 80s, way before Behind the Mask, and uh, I think it's underrated, and I think it's uh, time people to rediscover that one. It's really cool stuff. Uh, I believe it's British, a.k.a. it's called Hand to Death, a.k.a. Uh, yeah, Hand to Death is the AK title. Uh, what else did I put? Uh, Dead Dudes in a House uh, is one I hadn't seen in a long time. Not as goofy as the title sounds, but it's a haunted house movie. It's kind of fun. Uh, I wrote a couple down just to remember. Uh, Evil Ed is a really fun, silly movie. And speaking of fun, goofy, kind of like in your vein, Evil Ed and His Dead Mother, Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter. I'm trying to think of ones you probably haven't watched or you might have heard about, but you haven't uh, checked out. And some big ones. I mean, if you like Evil Dead too, and I, Return of the Dead, you got to see Reanimator. I'm sure you've seen that one. That's kind of in the vein of those dark comedy movies 
that are super fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. Uh, if you like Night of the Demons and Return of the Living Dead, uh, if you ever checked out the Spookies, completely goofy and stupid, but really fun. Uh, Bill Wolford, what is your favorite and least favorite video nasty? Tough question. I'll start with my least favorite. The least favorite is probably Cannibal Terror, which is the one where it's, uh, the cannibals are just British guys in the background, kind of disguised. Uh, sometimes the, the ones in the front will, you know, be clean shaven and try to look like, uh, natives, but there's a couple guys with just big mutton chops and sideburn, like not mutton chops, mutton chops and mustaches, like, oh, you might. And just, that's an Australian guy, but whatever. They don't look like natives. Okay, and that, that movie's really painful to watch, but I remember Cannibal Terror being abysmal. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm not the biggest fan of Anthropophagus. Uh, I, I'm dying to rewatch it, but I've never been a huge fan of it. Uh, there's a couple amazing scenes in that movie, and I love Eastman, but it's just not that great. Uh, some great ones, Zombie. Can you go wrong with Zombie? Love Zombie. Love Cannibal Holocaust. Those are two probably my two favorites, but you got stuff like Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. You got stuff like uh, The Beyond. So much good stuff in that list. Uh, stuff that doesn't even belong there, like the burning, too. Just great, great stuff. I realized I skipped the question, so I'm going to shoehorn this one in there at the very end. Sorry about that. Uh, Christopher Dallier asked, favorite black exploitation film? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess I'll go Foxy Brown. Can't beat Foxy Brown. And favorite Bruno Mattei film? Hell of the Living Dead. All day, every day. I love Hell of the Living Dead. I love that the Goblin score from Contamination to Dawn of the Dead's in it. I love the weirdness. I love the jungle aspect. I love the nudity. I love the gore. I love the Italian cheesiness. Uh, I also like some of his newer ones, like uh, the alien one that's just zombies the beginning or something. One of those two, Island of the Living Dead, is just straight aliens. Uh, and Rats is fun. Uh, I love Zombie 3. You know what? I just love Bruno Mattei. Uh, Zombie 3 is probably my second favorite after Hell of the Living Dead. Love his cheesy zombie stuff. Uh, I believe I got all the questions. I'll, I'll, if you notice a weird cut, that's what happened. So uh, I'm going to start this off uh, actually with something uh, a little different. Uh, somebody asked me in the questions if I had went and saw uh, the new uh, It uh, film, Stephen King's It, or the new adaptation, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and yeah, so I guess I'm going to start out with a theater experience. I don't typically do this because I'm pretty sure that there's a million people talking about it and a million people that know what they're talking about more than I do. But uh, somebody asked me, so I'm going to throw it out there. I'll probably make this a regular staple if I see something in theaters. I'll, uh, you know, I'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, let me start this up, set this up a little bit. I had read the book or most of the book years ago when I was, I think about half of the book when I was about 17 or 18. I got this uh, insatiable appetite for Stephen King and I read a lot of his books, Christine, uh, The Shining, I read previous, Night Shift, Skeleton Crew, a lot of the anthology books and I've grown to have a, a, a taste for them uh, over the years uh, it was probably the last one I tried to read and it just it just didn't really catch my attention I kind of lost my interest in in King's stuff uh, and uh, you know the movie the 1999 not, I don't know, 1990 movie by Tommy Lee Wallace uh, the TV movie always had a, a soft spot for me because it scared the hell out of me as a kid and I'll still stand by that I, I still, still think the first half is actually a pretty solid movie especially for a TV movie and I always think that uh, Tommy Lee Wallace kind of, get the, kind of gets the short end of the stick here but uh, I'll get into the the remake or the, the new uh, it's not really a remake because it's off a source material book but yeah I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it looked good. I kind of avoid as many trailers as I could. Uh, this one basically takes place uh, the first half of the movie with all the kids. Uh, all the characters are represented fairly well. There's some similarities, obviously, between the the, the old adaptation. And uh, well, I, what I will say... It's based off the same source material, so you can expect that. What I will say is, it took about 35 seconds to adjust to the new Pennywise. Uh, I was so used to Tim Curry, and uh, a lot of the delivery in the sewer, he had similar delivery at first, but completely different as well. And, and some of the lines are obviously the same because the book, but uh, after a while, he just came off really creepy. His eyes went dead and cross-eyed, and after a while, it was sucked in. Uh, the only thing the movie really has hurting for it, if you ask me, is in the beginning, all the scares are done so well. They get into your head. They build these genuine scares, uh, and they prey on the kids' fears, and uh, they play really well, like a leopard, a, a burning arms coming out of a house, and uh, they, they just play with the kids' emotions and their past, and they really work well, and they're so damn scary that by the end, when they have more scares, it just doesn't work necessarily. 
they do the kind of uh, cutting with the Jacob's Ladder where the head moves really fast like that. You guys would know. And uh, sometimes that's scary. Sometimes it's not. I think a lot of people nowadays will be like, oh, I'm so sick of seeing that. Uh, there is some CGI, of course. Can't really get away with it nowadays. Uh, there's always CGI in horror movies. I don't think it's tremendously bad, and I think the movie's really good uh, for the most part, so it doesn't really bother me. Sometimes uh, a movie that has a lot of flaws, uh, the CGI just becomes uh, you know really sore to look at, and people just keep bringing it up but I think this one has a, a strong enough script uh, really well acted love the kids in the movie and a lot of people will compare it to Stranger Things yeah it's like an R-rated Stranger Things it's fairly gory uh, pretty graphic I noticed some differences uh, that I, I was a, a little confused by uh, with the character Henry Bowers a couple here and there I, I thought the book was that way but I'm not 100% sure because it's been years since and I'm not even sure if I got to that part but uh, some things here and there I liked a lot what they did uh I was excited. Uh, they, they did update it to the 80s. That might upset some people, but uh, it didn't really upset me. Uh, it... it I don't know if it would work today. I think a lot of adults would love to see it in the 50s, but I think a lot of the younger crowd, which was what made this movie have a huge budget, I, I mean, a huge opening weekend, uh, might avoid it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong because... But regardless, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was creepy. thought it was scary. Uh, I didn't have any real complaints. Like I said, a lot of the scares at the end didn't work as well as the ones in the beginning. Uh, I was happy that it was graphic. Uh, it, it's uh, for Because the book's so graphic as well. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do with the second part. I'm really looking forward to it. I thought all the kids were top-notch. Although, uh, some of the, the people I went and saw the theater with, not the people I generally went with, but there was a lot of people in the crowd that would just laugh at every time a kid cussed. It's like, we get it. Uh, it's I guess it's funny, but I, I it was kind of annoying. And I do see that some people will say that uh, the kid, uh, the comedic kid from Stranger Things, every he would break the tension with the laugh here and there. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it just steals from the emotional impact of the movie. Uh, but uh, I I do believe there are people like that in real life, and they do act like that at times of uh, you know uh, horror suspense. But I, I'd say really check it out. Uh, good stuff, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm trying to think if I saw a horror movie, a new horror movie that I liked better. I, I probably didn't this year, but I haven't watched that many new ones this year, to be honest. Probably not going to have an end-of-year list. Uh, but uh, check out the trailer. Hopefully uh, you guys have seen it. Maybe don't check out the trailer. I'm not even sure if there's going to be a trailer. But you guys will get it, if there is one. When you're a kid, I think the universe revolves around you. They think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. is cursed that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing an evil thing Georgie goes missing. Or one of us. Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. Okay, let's start right into the reviews. The first one I have is by Mondo Macabro. This is the fox with the velvet tail. Uh, by the title, you guys know, this is a giallo. 
or at least it's going for the Giallo style. Uh, this is ba uh, made in, I believe, 71 after that uh, big, you know, huge like output of giallos from Italy because uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage by Dario Argento. Not not the first giallo necessarily, but the one that kind of uh, pushed all these movies forward. 70 and 71 were just packed with them, especially 71. But Fox with the Velvet Table, I don't know, Tail is uh, Italian slash Spanish co-production. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let me get into this one. Uh, it's basically about a, a, a rich woman who has uh, found a new lover and uh, she doesn't want to be with her husband anymore. Her husband supposedly still loves her and uh, she thinks that she's found the perfect guy. Uh, they're kind of uh, vacationing at this certain area, and, and uh, there's a couple attempts at her life that are made to look like accidents. The brakes are out. The scuba diving gear doesn't necessarily work. Uh, and uh, she starts to get a little paranoid and starts digging around. She finds some things out that uh, you know are going to change everything. Uh, this one's... Uh, well made, uh, has sensual moments, uh, great location, well shot, uh, fairly well acted, it's got a nice score. All these things about it are what uh, drive it forward. The story is uh, fairly uneventful but clever at the same time. Not much happens. It doesn't have these big elaborate death scenes that we've all been spoiled by by Dario Argento or other people, or even Sergio Martino. Uh, we don't have these elaborate death scenes. We have a fairly uneventful giallo that is brought through the story and the suspense. Probably my favorite moment in the movie is the husband and the lover are, are this weird relationship. They don't necessarily, they're not at each other's throats. But uh, there's some animosity uh, planted in the film or you think so at least and uh the guy has one the gun that uh he found the girl's gun and he's out there shooting he's supposedly a soldier and uh the husband holds up a magazine and says hey shoot the face and he holds it real close to his face and there's a pause in there where everybody stops and looks like oh is he gonna shoot him is he gonna take this advantage to shoot him and that builds a lot of good suspense and then the camera turns or the, the magazine turns around after the holes in it and the camera goes right through there there's good moments like that like i said but uh it's uneventful it's not horrible and uh it's surprising that it doesn't come off boring with uh without that much that happens there's a, a commentary by uh troy horworth is his name uh Howarth. i always i'm sorry i mispronounce his name all the time i really just need to uh dedicate it to getting it to memory but uh yeah uh i thought the movie was solid uh not that i would probably revisit anytime soon but nothing i would uh put my thumb down at either it's a well-made uh jello with a good amount of nudity and some uh nice twist by Arrow Academy. I had not seen this one. I am familiar with Robert Aldridge, but uh, yeah, The Big Knife. Not seen this one. Has Rudd Stryger in it, and of course, Jack Palance. Jack Plants is an awesome actor. I've always enjoyed him, but I never got to see him be a, a big leading man like this. Uh, Robert Aldridge did one of my all-time favorite movies, The Dirty Dozen. He did another really good movie called Emperor of the North, also with Lee Marvin from The Dirty Dozen. And he did uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, among others. So he has a nice track record with me, at least. I never saw a movie he made that I disliked. But uh, The Big Knife, uh, this is based off a play, and I had never seen it, not heard much about it. And right when I put it in, I was captivated. Jack Plants is in this movie where he's, a, I guess he'd be an ideologist, where he does doesn't want to sell uh, out to make bad movies, but uh, he's kind of forced in this deal, and he has this shady past, and he's 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 not the greatest guy. He's a kind of a bad guy, but we side with him. He's very sympathetic for some reason. He's equal parts masculine, equal parts sensitive, and uh, he he lets that in. Uh, he's such a he, he looks like he's chiseled out of stone in this movie, and he's got some real clever lines. Everybody in this movie has clever lines, and it's it's mostly done due to. The camera movements and the dialogue. It's all dialogue. It's a very, very talky movie. Shelley Winters also is in it, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but it's a very talky movie that doesn't ever get boring. And it had me in tense moments. And uh, the end of this movie broke me. I don't want to spoil the end of the movie. But it's one of those... Uh, themes or... or some, a lot of movies try to tackle it. And, uh, you know... 
I, I've had experience with it in my life, and uh, it just doesn't really affect me in movies, except this one. This one got me. It, it destroyed me, and it, it bothered me, and it felt real. But uh, Rudd Stryger in this movie is such an asshole. He's crazy. He's got this weird bleached hair. And when him and Jack Plants come to verbal sparring, it's great. And he and uh, one of the lines where he says, you like to think you're a big crocodile, but you're just a little lizard running under a rock. Or something like that uh, Jack Plants says to him is great. But uh, I just I just really enjoyed the movie. It's an it's amazing performance. Uh, you, you get a, a glimpse into what's happening, but as it progresses and goes further and further, you already like... Uh, the, uh, Mr. The uh, Charlie Castle, the actor who's Jack Plant. So uh, you're rooting for him, even though he has the, he's kind of a womanizer uh, and, and and lots of other things. But uh, you know he means well, and, and it's a a guy caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, but I don't want to spoil that much. Uh, on here is a commentary by some critics, which is nice to hear them dive into a lot of the background and the play and all that kind of stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it looks pretty good. I heard that there is a missing scene in this uh, Blu-ray, but I'm not 100%. I can't confirm that. I just saw that floating around Facebook. It looks damn good. Uh, and I noticed some weird popping in the audio, but I imagine that's in every print. Uh, it's not horrible, and it's it's slightly distracting. Nothing horrible. Uh, but uh, I noticed that. Uh, but Big Knife, uh, I'd really recommend picking this one up uh i i i love the movie to be honest the women in his glamorous life the hushed up scandals his secret loves his lost weekend you want to be careful hoff's a man with a crocodile's temper oh don't tell me about mr hoff calling me child one minute and without even changing his face his emotional clashes I'd like to beat you, beat you, I'm... beat you. I know, I'm a swell guy. Get out of here. There's a word for you. <laughs> Why don't you say it, darling? <laughs> the forces that would destroy him. A boy like you, who are you? Who are you? Are you some kind of special aristocracy because the, the female public wants to make love with you? You lose everything. This is the scandal and a disaster and a ruin. The one woman who might save him. We do love. I mean, we do love each other, don't we? And that's the thing, the big thing. I hate you. I want you to tear Stanley Hoff apart. Just... I meant what I said. I'm not bargaining with you, Stanley. You stand out the bargaining position. But it's true, I can't force you to sign, can I? That's just what you're trying to do. Played with intense feeling, with fire, by a great cast. Jack Palance, Ida Lupino, Wendell Corey, Gene Hagen, Rod Steiger, and Miss Shelley Winters as Dixie Evans. The girl and the man who were willing to pay any price to get to the top of the Hollywood heap. The next one here. Now, bear with me. I didn't get a chance to watch all the special features. I didn't even get to watch the special features. This is my second time revisiting this one. This is Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. This is the Arrow edition. Uh, this is a Sam Peckinpah movie. It has Warren Oates in it. Uh, of course, Chris Christopherson has a small role as well. But yeah, I had seen this one uh, before, and uh, I wanted to check out the Arrow edition. On this disc also includes like a 10-hour making uh, uh, documentary about Sam Peckinpah. Uh, Peckinpah is, is infamous for movies like uh, uh, the Wild Bunch and Straw Dogs and The Getaway, Cross of Iron, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. He's got a really great track record with me, to be honest. And uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. This is the second time I watched it. It's got to be one of his best, if not his best. It's just, the movie affects me. Warren Oates is such a great character in it. Uh, and he's not your typical uh, lead man, and which makes it even even better. Uh, what we have here is kind of a, a loser, I guess is what everybody calls him in the movie, and he is pretty much a loser. He's a piano player. He's, a, he's getting older. He's missed his shot to glance uh, the, to, the, to be famous, to make a name for himself. And uh, these uh, criminals come in, these kind of uh, hired assassins, or uh, one played by, uh, what's the guy's name, Robert Weber from The Dirty Dozen. He comes in and uh, they tell him, we're looking for this guy, Alfredo Garcia. 
if you know him, you know uh, they slip him a hundred in his uh, in his little uh, dish up there on his piano, and they tell him, you know, come to us. He realizes this is his last chance. This is his last chance to make you know a good living for him and his his uh, prostitute uh, girlfriend, who he loves. Although you know they have this strange relationship, so this uh, puts him and his girlfriend on the road to try to find Alfredo Garcia. But uh, there's lots of crazy things that happen on the way, and it becomes one of the most violent Peckinpah movies I've seen. Uh, what's great about the movie is uh, that Warren Oates is just so untypical of a lead man, and uh, there's just these wonderful lines, and it just builds and builds and builds. And uh, I will notice, I guarantee that, uh, um, what's the guy, uh, Robert Riguez stole uh, the head in the car in Sin City that's talking to him, because this movie involves a head. It's called Bring Me the Head of Alfred Garcia, so slight spoilers. Uh, Warren Oates talking to a freaking head. The head's not talking back, but he's talking to it. He's talking to uh, people that aren't there, uh, and he dumps ice and dry ice in the bag with the head, and it's you feel the heat in Peckinpah's movies. You feel the heat. It's so disgusting in Mexico here in this movie. There's flies everywhere flying around the head, and it's just, he's going through all these poor areas, and uh, a lot of people just die in the movie, and it's just like cold, but it comes across realistic at times as well, even though it is over the top, but uh, there's moments of dark comedy uh, where all these people are in a kind of a, a standoff, and this bus of tourists goes by, and everybody just kind of waves, and it's just like, what else would you do? Uh, just really great stuff. Uh, some of the lines in here are amazing. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but when it comes to the end, uh, I just feel that he does what he thinks is right, and it's just a beautiful moment uh, in, in a horrific kind of way. But uh, it's also about, you know, rich people uh, kind of just demand making these crazy demands and not caring the ripple effect of what it does to people at, at least in this movie in these in this kind of country like a you know mexico where this rich rancher just says bring me the head of alfredo garcia one million dollars and boom it's just this catalyst effect where all this horrible stuff happens but uh loved it probably one of my favorite movies i've seen in a very long time uh i this is the rewatch but you know i showed uh my significant other that and they uh you know not their type of movie but they enjoyed it i think but uh it's a must it is a must. Uh, I know if you're if, if you're not big into horror movies, I mean, if you're not big into non-horror movies, because I know most people probably here because I was a, talk a lot about horror movies. I know I'm kind of veering away from that a lot, but I think that you got to give this one a chance, especially if you like westerns. Although it's not a western per se, it feels it is a western, but it just doesn't take place in those typical times. I guess I'll say a crime western. Great stuff. This is Alfredo Garcia. He's about to become a very important man. We are looking for an old buddy of ours compadre named Alfredo Garcia. A private army is scouring three countries to find Alfredo Garcia. Well, don't worry if he's alive, I'll find him. Alive isn't our problem. Someone has offered a million dollars for his head. If I ever get my hands on him, I'm gonna kill him. All that we require from you is physical proof that Garcia is dead. And we're prepared to settle for his head. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. This man will become an animal. Alfredo! Alfredo's our saint. He's a saint of our money. I want to take it to him. I love you. This woman's dreams of love will be destroyed. I've been here before. You don't know the way. Innocent people will suffer. With Alfredo's help, we can do anything, honey. Holy ground will be desecrated. You don't want me to be part of that, do you? You are a part of it. 25 people will die. Just being together is enough. No, it's not, baby. All because of Alfredo Garcia. And only one man really knows why. Kill him. Sam Peckinpah. Director of the greatest adventure films of our time has made possibly his most powerful and startling motion picture. The next one here is... 
the new kids. This is the Spanish import I showed. Uh, I'm not by Sean Cunningham. Uh, this is I'm not sure of the quality. I'm not sure if it's better than the DVD. I never got a chance to watch the DVD, which I do have. Uh, but yeah, the new kids. Uh, this is kind of your 80s gang movie uh, that surprisingly is very mean-spirited but also has that 80s kind of cheesy charm to it which uh these kind of movies are very rare nowadays you'll never see something this mean-spirited with that 80s kind of charm uh that doesn't feel like it's totally messed up uh but the new kids follows the story of uh these these two brother and sister like the perfect kids they come from this military family with great parents and uh something tragic happens to their parents they have to move in with their uncle and uh live in this kind of uh, amusement park and help them fix it up uh the bullies are the local you know criminals uh high school criminals uh have an eye for the girl and they make this kind of rage carry too bad where well, i could sleep with her first uh john philbin and uh the leader james spader make the bet john philbin is in return of the dead and uh tombstone if you guys aren't familiar, and James Spader is in Wolf and Stargate and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, so they uh, kind of make this bet, and they peg, uh, they, they start they start stalking them. Fights happen, and uh, it, it just escalates to ridiculous levels. And uh, this is one of those movies where I wanted to strangle. I absolutely wanted to strangle the bad guys. They're great. I love a, a good gang of bad guys. Everybody knows that. Class of Newcomb High, RoboCop, Class of 1984. Love my bad guys. Love my gang of goons. And this is one of the better gangs of goons around. They're ruthless, and uh, I love what happens to them by the end. But this all boils over into this giant action-packed climax in this half-built uh, amusement park at the end. Uh, there's there's good amounts of drama in here. It feels like that 80s inspirational movie at times, but then there's moments of really sadistic brutality, which kind of comes out of nowhere. I know totally a lot of people won't like this, but I, I think it works, especially in the 80s. Uh, I, I love the hell out of it. I think the acting's top-notch. Uh, and there's also this real, these weird moments with the pit bull, because they're training this pit bull, the gang, and it's just scary, to be honest. Uh, not necessarily a horror movie, but kind of like a revenge movie, which is probably my second favorite after horror. And, it, you know, I'm, 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 I love the exploitation and revenge and stuff like that, but I would really check this one out if you guys haven't seen it. The Spanish import's not very expensive. The DVD's probably even cheaper, but it's the New Kids, uh, I believe from 1985. Uh, I like it better than Friday the 13th. No, I hate Friday the 13th, but, you know, Sean Cunningham has a, a decent amount of movies on his uh, on, on his uh, resume that people don't talk about. They always talk about Friday the 13th, and, but I love the New Kids. Uh, this is the first time I ever saw it. It's been on my radar for, like, 20 years, but loved it. They are brother and sister alone. I said Mac and Mom are dead. On their own, without parents, without friends, trying to make it in a new town. Something bothering you, cousin? No, nothing ever bothers me. Facing a dangerous new enemy. I can get it. Says who? Says me and 50 bucks. A gang that will stop at nothing to add one new word to their lives. You think we ought to light ourselves a little fire? No! You want crazy? Well, I'll show you crazy. The next one here, man. This is going to be a mouthful. This is the unquenchable thirst of boner juice. Yeah. I can't make this stuff up. Yeah, uh... I had seen the trailer for this one and I wasn't really sure about it, but they contacted me and said, Hey, do you want to check out the unquenchable thirst for boner juice? And I said, yeah, I do. So, uh, yeah, I popped this one in and I don't know what the hell to think of this movie. This is one of those movies when I, I watched the trailer, I realized it's not really my kind of humor. It's not really something I would enjoy. Uh, I don't even know how to get into this one, but, uh, our lead Ron, uh, his mother is insane in a mental institution, and she goes into a coma, and he realizes that he has to get this thing back, this dildo that was in her butt, and get it back and save the universe simultaneously from a Dr. Boner Juice, who is evil, who's after the uh, fleshlight and uh, the magical fleshlight and this black dildo to put them together inside of him to rule the universe. Insanity, I know. Uh, it's really bizarre. It's a musical on top of that. Uh, and uh, what I will say about the movie is it's... I I don't want to give the wrong impression. It's not lazy. And a lot of the performances are earnest. And uh, I enjoy that, to be honest, even though it's, it's really bizarre stuff. But they do seem earnest a lot of the times. They're playing it kind of straight. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Uh, and you guys know I don't really like on straight performances. Like, uh, I would compare this a little bit to She Kills, which I don't think's uh, a horrible movie. It's just not for me. Uh, but I think it's more earnest than that. And I would 
want to say something like Dude Pro Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, which I'm also not a huge fan of, but I think there's a lot of talent behind it. And this one, again, I see a lot of talent. I see a lot of uh, well-thought-out jokes that aren't my humor. There's a lot of bad not-thought-out jokes, too, but there's a lot of sometimes reoccurring jokes, especially uh, with Leanna Quigley, who pops in here, which is was great to see. She actually does a really good job, and I enjoyed seeing her. Like I said, I don't think the performances are necessarily bad. I don't want to say anybody did particularly awful. It's just that it comes down to... If if you don't find this funny, it's going to be a chore, and I didn't find it funny. A lot of them were poop and boner jokes and balls jokes, and and uh, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. I mean, some movies I will find it funny. I mean, I would compare the humor to uh, Citizen Toxie, which I enjoy, or I used to enjoy. I haven't seen it in 10 years, but uh, it's that kind of gross-out humor. Lots of people getting poop on their face and uh jizz flying everywhere there's some great claymation or stop motion claymation i guess i'll say which i really enjoyed i don't know if that claymation is a proper term but stop motion stuff that i really dug uh talking worms and there's a lot of uh musical songs in here that might get stuck in your head on the trail of boner juice on the trail that's stuck in my freaking head and i'm not happy about it but uh yeah just kind of stuff like that uh there's a commentary on the disc there's a bunch of features on here as well there's a making of they seem like they, you know like you can tell they they went all out they shot it well on a nice camera they had special effects they had a cast they they did auditions so it's not a lazy movie it's an earnest attempt it's just and a lot of people will love it if they like the weird kind of zany over the top stuff which i do typically but i don't like i guess the zany over the top mixed with the horrifically gross when it just non-stop i like a little bizarre and so bat shit but this is just too bat shit for me i guess i'll say or a different type of bat shit it's just really really gross too i watching the whole movie i i felt like i never had this problem when i was younger but for some reason the back of my throat like was just bile was building up at the back of my throat during the whole damn thing but uh yeah that is uh the unquenchable thirst of boner juice the villain in the movie is also chewing it up but uh he's doing it earnestly and he's fun like i could tell he's having a blast and you know i think in other movies i would love watching almost this whole cast but it's just this one's not for me didn't didn't find it funny kind of sat stone faced the whole time unfortunately maybe if somebody would have been with me but i just not for me I'm, I'm sorry but it's a nice release it looks good and if uh, you see the trailer and you're like i think that looks great i'm sure you'll love it but uh i didn't hey guys ron here you ever have one of those days when your wife leaves you fuck you this marriage is over you run into a hobo who just shit his pants how am i gonna wipe my butt <laughs> and you go visit your mom who's crazy about this dick and then she goes into a coma for no reason me too but then did you go on a journey to dick mountain after your aunt gave you two hand jobs in a row now you have a treacherous journey ahead of you and aunt esmeralda can't be around to jack you off and then you find out there's a talking worm living in your butt and you run into some super hot space nuns Hope's butthole is as pure as the driven snow oh yeah and hope she's awesome Check out those titties. I totally gave her a poop motorboat. Awesome. And everybody's telling you that you're the chosen one who needs to stop an evil doctor intent on ruling the universe. And you're like, what? My name is Boda Juice and I'm evil as fuck. I am Boda Juice. What a coincidence. That's exactly what happened to me. I blame Boner Juice. Agnes Washi Hyman! Boner Juice! When you said Boner Juice took your sanity, I thought you meant Boner Juice, not Boner Juice. Like, Bose's first name and Nurse uses his last name. I thought you meant, well, I thought you meant the juice from an erection. Like semen or man milk or cream of meat, splooge, cho chowder, a protein shake or man ranch, maybe jism or a schlong smoothie, baby batter, balfredo sauce. You know what I'm saying. Oh, 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 damn, Ronnie. That's a good one. You should probably go see the unquenchable thirst for boner juice. It sounds like something you could really relate to. Let's get into the Q&A here. Uh, uh, James Grimmer 
Uh, I missed this guy's question. He posted it in the, the wrong spot on the Screaming Toilet Facebook page, but I, I caught it. Uh, if I catch your guys' question, I can do that. Uh, I'll go back to it, but sometimes I'll miss them if they're not in the right spot. Uh, my question for your Q&A is how does one get about go about getting involved in acting in independent films like you do? Uh, you know, uh, I just made connections by reviewing a lot, to be honest, and uh, one of the directors uh, is a local guy. Uh, there's actually a decent local scene in the Midwest. There's guys in Michigan, guys and gals in Michigan making movies, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, um, Kentucky. So around this area, Wisconsin, I know there's a bunch of people in this area, so it, it's kind of easier for me. Uh, and I met a lot of these people at conventions. So uh, if you have a convention that comes through, uh, make contacts. And if you're like in an isolated area where there's no convention, there's nobody around, I would uh, you know try to make my own movie, try to make my own shorts, get friends involved, put out ads, uh, but be careful, of course, and you know just try to do it that way, I guess. Uh, Carl Espinoza, I want to enter the contest. What do you think about the re-adaptation re of It? Can you give us a rating of the movie? Uh, I reviewed it for you, buddy. Uh, Darren Reynolds, uh, here we go. I expect that uh, he's looking for uh, where's the best uh, place to get a top shelf Blu-ray player. I would recommend Region Free. You gotta go Region Free, and I know that it's a little bit more expensive, but you can find them on Amazon. Uh, shoot me a link. I, I can't think of the one I bought, but it was not very expensive, and it works damn well. But be careful if you have a 4K TV and you buy an older Region Free player, it might not work on that TV. Uh, there's websites dedicated to the Region Free stuff. All you probably have to type in is Region Free player, uh, and the, the, those sites will pop up. I can't remember the sites, but they're fairly easy to find. Uh, but as far as brand, the one I had was, uh, works very well. I think it's a modded, uh, one, so I can't think of the brand. Jonathan Gang, uh, or is it Gangney? My question to you is, what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Uh, what was the first horror film you watched as a child? I can't remember a child, but I remember watching a lot of, uh, universal horror movies because my grandmother brought them down. Uh, I used to watch Monster Squad, Little Monsters, Garbage Pail Kids a lot when I was really young and saw some stuff I shouldn't have when I was very young. But my favorite horror movie of all time is Day of the Dead, uh, 85 by George Romero. I always uh, loved the Dead movies. I used to switch between Dawn and Day, which was my favorite. And I, I like Day, then I like Dawn, and now I like Day again. So it's going to probably be Day for the rest of my life. i just in that Day kind of mode, I guess. But love Day of the Dead. Uh, Dominic Rocco, did you see the movie Black Room? Your thoughts? Yeah, I did see that. I think I reviewed it a couple weeks ago. Slimy, gooey, fun, sleazy, enjoyed it. Uh, check out the review if you want. Uh, Matthew L. Bushwell, do you like the Dolomite series? I bought them. I haven't had a chance to watch them. I know it's pretty bad. I'll get to them eventually. Jonathan Wilhelm, what is your favorite and least favorite creature feature? That's so tough. I mean, I'm probably sure I've seen some bad creature feature. What's the one called The Dark? with? Not the one with Richard Jekyll, but the one with Brian James. I remember... That's just one off the top of my head. I remember fast forward to that one. I think it was a Canadian movie. Weird. It wasn't like I was watching by myself. We had some friends over. We were like, let's check this one out. This looks cool. And we were watching it like, this ain't cool at all. Uh, favorite creature feature. Did you have favorite? Uh, favorite. So many good ones. Creature from the Black Lagoon. The Deadly Spawn. Uh, so much good stuff. Uh, I can't pick one. Pumpkinhead. There's tons and tons and tons of creature features that I love. Um, trying to think of some more off the top of my head. The Blob. The Thing? Probably The Thing. If The Thing counts, it's The Thing from the 80s. Uh, Christina, what are your thoughts of M. Night Shyamalan's almost rebooted Tales in the Crypt? Are you kind of glad it didn't fall through because it was already awesome and should be left alone? Or do you think that it would have brought a newer and kind of cool perspective to it? Also, were you a fan of the EC Comics Vault of Horror? Uh, as for the EC Comics stuff, I'd seen clips of them and I probably picked up a magazine here and there. I'm familiar with the stories because I've seen all the Tales in the Crypt episodes and the Vault of Horror movie and the Tales in the Crypt movie and all those. But I, I don't think I ever had the actual comics in my hands except maybe a couple times here and there. Uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with some of the stories, maybe seeing them online, but I wasn't like the biggest EC Comics actual fan. I love the artwork and style, but I, I'm, I'm more familiar with the show and the movies than the comics, to be honest. Uh, actually, as long as it... I was kind of disappointed when I heard the Crypt Keeper wasn't going to be involved because if they could bring back the Crypt Keeper and maybe go back and get some of the old EC comic stories and do those that haven't been done, I would be all for it. But I'd, I'd have to see how they're going to do it and probably what they're going to do. I think they were trying to... I, at one point, I heard they're going to do an American Horror Story thing where it's a new cast. Of, so what the hell's the point of calling that Tales in the Crypt if they're going to do that? Just call it something else if that's what they're going to do. But... Uh, I don't know how I really felt about it. I'm not sure. I, I think M. Night Shyamalan would be more suited for something else than The Twilight Zone. I mean, he doesn't really do the, the just desserts kind of uh, people get what they deserve and almost get away with it and get bit in the ass, stuff like that. I guess it's not necessarily irony, but kind of irony. He does more of the twist at the end. And The Tales of the Crypt were big in the twist, but not his type of twist. 
They were more like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, just gross twist, which I loved. Uh, Paul Weichel, who is your favorite lesser-known killer from a slasher movie? Man, there's so many good slashers in it. And I feel like, who do I name that's lesser-known now with the internet? I mean, Harry Warden's always cool. The Prowler has a good look. Uh, Cropsy's great, but these aren't these aren't even lesser-knowns anymore. Uh, Marty from Slaughter High, you know. Uh, who do I, I... I really don't know who to pick. Uh... I love the killer in Culibus. Does Culibus sla- count as a slasher movie? If it does, that's my that's my pick there. Love the killer in Culibus. He's underrated and he scared the shit out of me as a kid. Uh, Stefan Mitlander. What is your opinion of the most underrated slasher and most overrated slasher? Most underrated if Culibus counts? I'm putting Culibus on the list. I think Slaughter High, which gets it's going to get some love with the Blu-ray release. And I think it does get love now. Uh, I think that's underrated. Uh, trying to think of some other ones that I might have caught that uh, people don't mention all that much. Jeez, uh, there's so many. I think The Final Tear is a solid movie, and that recently came out on Blu-ray, and I didn't hear much people, t- many people talking about it. It's slow, but it's really well shot, and I just like the build. Uh, that's one I always liked. That's a... Uh, you know, I just feel like slasher movies are everywhere now. Uh, if I name one, it's just been Blu-ray, special edition, mat remastered. But, you know, I, I like Slaughter High. I think it's fun. Uh, Colobus is one of those underrated ones that I don't think people talk about if it counts as a slasher. But, I mean, there's so many slashers that I like. The Friday 13 series are highly enjoyable, but everybody knows about them. The Burning, The Prowler, all that stuff. My Bloody Valentine. Uh, just before dawn, they're just everywhere now. It's hard to tell. I don't even know what's underrated now. When I see those lists, that's like underrated horror movies, and they're like the Blob, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm like, what? what, what? These are like highly mainstream. I'm so out of touch with what is underrated or obscure now because I've been watching movies my whole life. Like I don't have that level of anything. And it's funny now that the obscure movies are brought to light so much that some of the big or mid-tier movies, they just are completely forgotten about, which makes them obscure. Like, it's strange. It's constantly changing what's obscure. Uh, But most overrated slasher, Prom Night. I know a lot of people like it. A lot of people hate it, which would make it not overrated, but I think it's terrible. I don't even understand the appeal to it. Just Jamie Lee Curtis, that's it? Like, I don't get it. And I don't feel that way about our other slashers. I enjoy them, so I don't. I don't get it. Uh, Asling uh, Latrans, Latrans. I'm sorry. Uh, what's your favorite Italian horror film? Cannibal Holocaust. All day, every day. Cannibal Holocaust. Followed by Zombie. Dead Cemetery Man. Dead Demons. Dead Stage Fright. I can't pick, but uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, maybe. Cannibal Ferox. I don't know. I love so many, so many Italian films, but Cannibal Holocaust and Zombie are the top two for me. Bill Wolford, here's my na- other nasties question. There was a bunch of movies that were unfairly considered or put on the nasties list. Which movies are you surprised never got put on the video nasties list? Ooh, Jungle Holocaust was not on the video nasties list. I don't know how. Maybe it caught before it. But Jungle Holocaust might have had a less uh, aggressive cover, like The Last Survivor or something like that. But that one's pretty brutal. has some real animal cruelty in it. And uh, just as, almost as, not as cruel as Cannibal Holocaust, but as cruel as some of the other ones like Eaten Alive, which I think made the list. Uh, not to be confused with... Uh, actually, you know, I'm not sure if Umberto Lenzi's Eaten Alive made the list. That was Toby Hooper's. But, you know, some of those... Like, it's as, it's more brutal than Cannibal Apocalypse, more for sure. Jungle Holocaust and... Jonah Models Beyond the Darkness never made it. I'm not sure why. Blue Omega. But that one's really gross and really nasty and really sleazy. And it just all-around tone. It's It probably should have made that list, to be honest. Uh, so those two, just off the top of my head... I thought about that earlier, and those are the ones that came to my head, and I was like, I'll go with those. Christopher Dallier, what is your opinion of the movie Orozco the Embalmer? What is your favorite spaghetti western film? Orozco uh, the Embalmer, I think, is a really good documentary, and uh, it's a shockumentary, but also I think it's a little bit better than that. I think that it has some interesting things. You get to see how some South American uh, embalmer uh, deals with business, and it's just, you know, it is not the same planet down there. Uh, but um, favorite spaghetti, spaghetti western movie, uh, I'm going to go... You know, Once Upon a Time in the West. It's kind of hard to beat that. Spaghetti Western. Uh, Ennio Morricone. Sergio Leone. Charles Bronson. That's the one.